Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and I'm going to say a bunch of things. So I'm going to talk pretty quick. Anyhow, this is number 72, uh, episode 72, so it'll be in honor of Thomas Shabbat. Um, for no reason in particular, he has nothing to do with the episode, but he does wear number 72. Anyhow, go back and check out our last episode where Mike did an interview with Bartley Kivas from the summertime, which becomes uh, obvious pretty quickly, where he talks about the business dealings of True North. So that was really interesting. And then this episode is myself and a gentleman named Oliver, who works with Seymour Sports, started Seymour Sports, uh, which covers UND, uh, UND hockey, soccer, a bunch of the sports there. I writes about them, and we talk about some of the connections back to uh, Winnipeg. We do talk about UND, obviously, as well, too, but there are quite a few connections between the, the two places, and uh, a lot of people like myself that do travel down to watch games and sparked an idea that could be a really cool feature um, with the podcast later on in the year, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, we did uh, the interview the day Madison Bowie was waived, so whatever day that was last week, um, so Oliver didn't know that. Um, which comes out so that was kind of funny that he didn't know as we were talking about him and then I think I sung some praise about Jim Montgomery from the Dallas Stars and then I believe he got fired the next day or two days later so I do not stand with Jim Montgomery so I I don't know what he did and I don't really care but uh, obviously it was worthy of firing according to the Dallas Stars so um, (laughs) that, that was just kind of funny to have that happen and then be on record of saying that you think he's a good coach so whatever um last thing i'm going to mention about is uh, there's been some twitter drama i know some of you who listen to this are not on twitter and don't really care about this stuff but um we've been accused of starting sort of a mock account called jets shitter jets twitter see it rhymes um had nothing to do with that so it's always nice when people who don't know you accuse you of things that you don't do and really take exception to a podcast they don't list existing altogether even though we just talk about hockey so whatever uh people are interesting out there but anyhow we're gonna stick to hockey and talk about that instead so anyhow we'll get to the episode here hopefully you enjoy it and uh, it was fun to do and we got some more interviews coming up quickly i'm finally getting to a bunch of them so here we go Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm here with Oliver of Seymour Sports. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about UND, uh, just down the road from Winnipeg, the University of North Dakota and the hockey team, and some tie-ins to some uh, some Winnipeg stuff. And all the rest of it will mostly be about UND hockey. There's a lot of Winnipeggers that go down. So I just thought it'd be fun to have him on and talk about uh, what he does covering the team. And uh, yeah, enlighten us on a bunch of things you indeed so oliver thanks for taking the time for sure for doing this thank you very much for having me yeah not a problem so uh like i mentioned you're from seymour sports i'm wondering if you can just kind of give the people uh, a little bit of a handle of what is seymour sports maybe you can tell us a bit how it started uh where the name's from and what you guys do there sure so seymour sports so my wife and i run this uh blog together my wife's name is kelsey um she if you look at most of the photos on our site they are hers she takes photos for her own she's working on getting um violet turtle photography she takes um she's working on growing her own photography business in her own studio and i kind of handle more of the written side and more of the social media things for the most part um our one of our most viewed articles is actually something kelsey wrote in 2016 i believe um anyway we kind of started right around uh, the 2016 IIHF U18 World Championships, and we started, um, I volunteered for that tournament. We started because we 
we were dating at the time and we went and saw all these games and one player that stood out to us was Latvian goalie uh, Marek Smittens. Um, he had, I think, 44 or 45 saves against the Sweden team loaded with guys that are in the NHL now, guys like Alex Nylander, just to name, name one off the top of my head. He was keeping them in the game and we saw the amount of reporting that he had on him and like, wow, no one's, no one's really kind of covered him or given him the time of day. So we sent him some questions on uh, Twitter. Um, our first ever interview was done via direct message, and it was, uh, it was, it was, it was good, and he appreciates that we follow him so much. Um, anytime Lake State plays Bemidji now, because they're in the same conference in Bemidji, we try and get there when we can. Um, and we get us, from, from there, we kind of just kept writing about UN, UND and uh, stories and sports outside of UND that don't get covered. One of our favorite things in the past year um, was interviewing uh, interviewing AIC, American International. Um, for those who don't follow college hockey as much, they're a team out of the Atlantic Hockey Conference, which is um, typically a one big lead, a one big league in the NCAA tournament every year. Um, and they were they as the number sixteen seed um, beat number one overall St. Cloud with a bunch of guys who are now in the NHL or on NHL deals. And we interviewed them before the game. We interviewed them after the game. We interviewed them after they barely lost to Denver the next night. And just covering teams that don't get that type of coverage um, is something that we always enjoy. But we are we do mainly cover the University of North Dakota. Um, Kelsey shoots most of the hockey games, most not all the hockey games. I write about any sports I can. And yeah, um, we live together. Um, she's from the Seattle area. I'm from Baltimore, thus the name. Uh, we have a one-year-old son named Henrik, named, named after Henrik Lundqvist. Um, two dogs, Taze and Della, the female version of Arendelle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about us. We are trying to slowly monetize the site. Uh, the pinned link on at Seymour Sports is a uh, link to our PayPal. We're trying to expand what we can cover a little bit and take some um, independent donations and slowly start trying to grow our content here. So Now, I, I'm going to just key on, on one thing there. You said you said the dog's name is Lundqvist. Does that mean you guys are New York Rangers fans? Is that what that means? No, 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 no. <laughs> the two dogs are two great Pyrenees. One is named Taze, yeah. for Jonathan Taze, and one is named Adela, because she's the girl, female version of Aaron Dell, my wife's by far and away my wife's favorite player. Um, did I just make, did our, I just make up the lung? Our child is our child. Yeah, Della um, is the female version of Aaron of Dell. Right. And then we have a one year old. Our one year old son is named Henrik after uh, Henrik Lundqvist, just because we wanted a name that was unique. Um, we're fans of the of the style of King King Henrik, even though I'm kind of a Capitals fan, so it's kind of interesting, but. Um, we, we respect the way Henrik Lundqvist plays the game and we always like watching good goalie play in this house. So, so it's your, your son. So I, I, I was listening to the names and I, I, I mixed it up. I thought it was one of the, the dogs named there. Um, my apologies. Um, so, uh, would you say that Henrik Lundqvist is the best looking player in the league? We, we've talked a lot about, uh, on, on Twitter and on uh, this podcast about the best looking jet players. So I think we should take some time for that. Is he the best looking player in the league? Um, certainly one of them, I think. Um, so I'm a Capitals fan, so I'll go with, uh, TJ Oshie and I'm sure my, and, and I'm sure my wife would probably have a few contenders on the, uh, Sharks as well. So. <laughs> and she's a big Sharks fan, so 
Right. So throw you that curveball is just a stupid thing that we usually end up talking about. Whether we're recording or not, we always uh, just get to it. And we usually complain about how we, uh, me and a couple of guys, we just don't think the Jets are a very good look team, a good looking team besides a couple of players. So uh, anyhow, um, so you guys cover a, a bunch of sports, but you do primarily cover the hockey. Uh, is that correct? Um, Hockey, football, we, we primarily cover UND athletics. Okay. Um, Whatever, wherever we're able to get to and I'm able to write about. Um, I have a season recap piece for UND soccer. It's coming out a few weeks late, but it's kind of a recap plus an opinion on how far that soccer team has come since Chris Logan has come to take over the program that's going to be coming out here in a couple of days. Okay. Um, kind of part opinion, part recap, just take time to, you know, took some time to think about what this season, what their season meant for the program as opposed to just, well, they lost to Denver in the Summit League uh, semifinals, so trying to look at it from more of a big macro picture okay well that, that's cool because um like before we started recording you and i were chatting a bit about the women's volleyball uh down there and i think that the sports programs there are are great they're really fun to watch if people go down whether you're catching the hockey because you're a hockey fan or the football or other things so if uh, people are interested in some of those other sports and following it's nice to know that you guys are doing that so before we kind of move on talk about the hockey uh where are all the places that people could find you uh and find your coverage of uh, und sports um so you can follow us on twitter at seymour s-e-a-m-o-r-e sports like us on facebook uh, if you want to help us expand our coverage um we have a paypal link that's the top uh top link on our twitter page um click that let me know that you donated to it and i'll happily list you as a supporter of crowdfunded journalism because as more as more newspapers are kind of, and you've seen it as more newspapers are moving to paywalls, um, not everyone can pay for a newspaper subscription, and we want to try and uh, be the voice of college athletes and athletes around the country that don't get as much coverage as they honestly as they deserve. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, so those are the main places to follow us, and seamoresports.com too as well, S-E-A-M-R-E sports.com. Okay, so now moving along to the hockey stuff, uh, I tried to make a little list here of some Winnipeg connections uh, to UND. Uh, I do know other people that go down and watch the games. That, uh, a lot of people don't realize what a hidden gem it is to to go down to the Ralph, which is like an amazing arena. If you ever go down, people should definitely take a tour. Had a friend, Mike, uh, just go down uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, and he was in shock. He said the place was on fire. It was so much great energy. It was fun. It was exciting. So anyone who hasn't been down there should definitely give it uh, give it a whirl. But also there are some Winnipeg connections for those that find that important. Um, I'm curious, before I kind of mention all of them, what is the connection? Because I could kind of name one's uh, the Winnipeg connections in UND and how that sort of ties back to Winnipeg or the Jets or the Moose or whatnot. Um, but is there a connection sort of the other way? Like do people in Grand Forks, uh, I mean, they they have the hockey team there. Do they feel sort of a kinship to Winnipeg besides, uh, I guess, maybe the fact that uh, Tucker Pullman is there? Um, I know people tend to cheer for the Minnesota Wild because East Grand Forks is in Minnesota. Also, Chicago Blackhawks, you know, the they share the same logo and obviously Jonathan Taves uh, and then follow a couple other players like Brock Besser and, and Tyler Jost in, um, in uh, Colorado. But uh, uh, more generally speaking, though, do you, do you get the sense that a lot of people there care about the NHL specifically in Winnipeg? Was that a big deal when it came back? I know it's a, a bit of an old story now, you know, the, the, now that we're in the ninth season. But I'm curious what you see as a connection the other way from, from a Grand Forks perspective towards Winnipeg. 
Um, I think people in Grand Forks really uh, like and do their best to follow the Jets. Um, I obviously, I wasn't here when uh, the Jets came came from Atlanta back back up to uh, when, when you guys got the Jets 2.0. Um, so I can't speak to the initial reaction, but um, it, it definitely I think means a lot to people to have a team a little bit closer, and it creates a it, it makes the wild games against the Jets a bit more exciting for those who are able to follow them a little bit more. Um, there's, there's definitely a kinship for here for any, any team. I mean, any team where there's a UND player on it, people are going to follow it to some level. Um, one of my favorite couple of interviews that I've done, um, over the past couple of years is with, uh, uh, the last Toby Baker winner. UND had Ryan Duncan. He just finished his professional career with, uh, Red Bull Salzburg last year. And, um, he, he was a great person to talk to, uh, just, Again, we talked over Twitter. Um, he played for a number of years in Europe, and uh, he was, you know, he was a member of the Duncan Oshie Tays line. And he, great guy, and uh, people, people follow him. People still follow him. Um, people will follow UND players wherever they go. So, I, I think that's definitely part of it too. But yeah, I think people are generally glad that the Jets are back in town. And the preseason games, um, I will say that the last, the, the Moose preseason game, the one that we went to, was definitely the most attended of the few that I've been to. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, because you're talking about the, the Moose uh, for, what, the last three, two or three years now, they do some two preseason games in Grand Forks, or one in Grand Forks, one in Fargo, or uh, or how does that They did, that they did both, both in Grand Forks this year. Um, we went to the first one, um, and last year they didn't do one because they had Cirque on ice, um, and that obviously that took up the ice sheet. Right. So they did, I don't think they didn't do the preseason games here last year, but normally they do one and one or two at the Ralph. Um, yeah, it was the, the atmosphere with the new scoreboard. That was actually the first game with the new, the largest center hung scoreboard in college hockey. That was the first game of any type to be played there um, between two, two professional college teams. So it was nice to see the board get used for the first time. And it was, it was, it was a good game. It was a good game on Friday night. Um, I think, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Griffin Outhouse, I know, has a bigger role for the, has gotten a bit more of a role for the Moose as the season went on. We kind of saw him a little bit. Um, they had Man- Manitoba Bison's product, Byron Spriggs, there on a tryout. Uh, I don't, he didn't play that night, but it was just interesting to see because he helped that Bison team nearly beat UND last, last fall. They actually took him to overtime, and UND had to win in overtime against them. Right. Oh yeah, I guess that's another thing too, right? The University of Manitoba—they pretty much come down every year and do an exhibition game before the, mm-hmm. the season starts against UND at the Ralph as well. So there's another kind of little connection uh, that's uh, convenient because of geography, right? So um, the mm-hmm. Moose, though, uh, how many people would you say actually attended the Moose game in Grand Forks, uh, the preseason game? Like it um, seats eleven a and thousand, um, and I think that it was—I think it was a little bit more partially because of the center hung scoreboard, but I also think that. The game was um, the game's gotten a bit got a bit more attention this time because of the scoreboard, and I think people were generally excited to see because at that night you had Hayden Shaw playing for the the Moose, who's now with uh, he's still with Jacksonville. Last time I checked, um, and you had Keaton Thompson playing on a tryout deal for the Wild, and now he's uh, he's earning his he's uh, earning his time with the yeah I believe he's still with the Wild. So anytime there's UND alums to play for those teams, it definitely makes it an easier sale. I remember Joe Finley played for the Wild a couple years ago for the I believe it was the Iowa Wild a couple years ago, and yeah, right. anytime they can bring UND alums here, they'll 
I'm sure they don't plan their rosters around that, but it definitely helps. Now, speaking of UND alums, there's one in well, besides Jonathan Taves, that's kind of the obvious connection. I think a lot of people in Winnipeg know the connection, know that he he went there. But uh, one that I was curious about, uh, I don't know if he's ever given a speech or anything like that that I kind of forgot about just because so many years have passed, but his, uh, Eddie Belfort, who's from Carmen, Manitoba here, he played there for, I believe, one year and won like a national mm-hmm. championship and then kind of moved on. Um, he still comes by and frequents the... Uh, the game sometimes i remember seeing uh that tj oshi had come back to watch a game is it unusual or like how often does it happen that some of those guys when they have a chance that are alum and and, and notable ones too i guess that that you know more average fans would recognize the names they actually come back in the building and just take in a und game um there are a lot of fans there are a lot of alums around the area especially those that are retired that come back um from the coaching ranks, uh, Dean Blaze was, I believe, in, in attendance for one of the last two, one of the last two home series, um, and he got shown on the jumbotron, and it kind of lit the crowd up. Um, mm-hmm. People, so alums, alums come back to watch games quite frequently. Um, when they were on break, members of the 2016 national championship team, I believe it was, I believe it was last year, came by to uh, drop the puck. Actually, so and they got a big, big cheer. So it, it happens pretty. It actually happens pretty frequently. I don't know how much it gets reported on, but it, it does happen. Yeah, well, I'd say it doesn't get really reported up here, but I know that like there's a real keen fan base in UND, and you guys kind of know what's going on. Uh, and then they also have um, the professional, the guys that are playing professionally, come back and do a, a little kind of tune up before their own. Uh, camps before seasons get started for yep. them. They usually do something with all the pros could come back. So if people want to, you yep. know, go and see Brock Besser and Tyson Jost and Tucker Pullman and some of those guys, just you know, warm around, warm up and shoot around. You usually take it in on the the Olympic ice next to the Ralph, I believe, right? They usually shoot around there for a bit. Yep, they shoot around. They get some uh, good development. You saw it's always cool. I, I got to actually see one of those this year. It was really cool to see. Um, different pros and all their different, cause they all had their, you know, their pro gear on. Um, Cam Johnson still had his New Jersey doubles mask before he ended up going to, um, he signed with the Predators organization and now he's with their ECHL team. Um, saw Jordan Schmaltz decked out in lease gear after he got traded there. Um, he's now with some Marlies looking to earn a spot with the Maple Leafs, which given their, given their defense and given the fact that Dave Haxtell is an assistant coach who coached Schmaltz, I would think it's going to happen at some point, get the Leafs keep playing defensively as interestingly as they are. Um, and you saw a bunch of other alums there too. It was, it was really good to see Zane McIntyre was there too. Um, it was it was good to see. Just it's always good to see hockey at the at the Ralph, uh, but free flowing hockey in August or early September before training camp start with a bunch of alums. You can't really beat that. Yeah. Was was Drake Kajula there, my boy? Or no? I don't. He may have been. I I honestly don't. I don't. I, I honestly don't remember. I just I just I remember him from. I remember him from the 2016 national championship run and just how exciting is wa- uh, to watch. I think he had seven goals in those four games and it was just yeah it was crazy. I realized that he's not a superstar in the NHL, but still just kind of watching. Uh, I don't know if I you remember, remember him getting hit by the ref after scoring one of those goals too in 2016. Yep, against against Michigan, the game against the CCM, the Connor Comfer Mott line, Kyle Connor now one of one of the actual superstars for the Winnipeg Jets. So. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he uh yeah. 
anyone uh, look up that gif of Drake Kajula running into the ref is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, it, things, yeah, so. it's shown quite frequently here. <laughs> I love that one. Anyhow, so let's talk about some of the Winnipeg connections going the other way. So we'll start off with the coach, uh, Brad Berry. He played with the Jets, I believe. I was I, I looked up earlier, I think in 1980 was the last time he did, or maybe it was just the one year, and then he coached the Manitoba Moose in their first version um before they came back after being the ice caps i believe and now he's been the coach at und for probably six seven years would be my guess uh i'm wondering if you, what you can tell us about the the coach there and and how well he's liked and and maybe even things you've heard him say about his time in winnipeg i'm sure um most everybody there knows knows where he came from so um well start with the coaches uh bradbury He's a pretty universally like guy. He's a hard worker. He had a chance to go to the NHL with Dave Haxtell, as as, as uh, Brad Schlossman reported on, but he he turned it down and he stayed and ended up becoming the next head coach. Kind of inherited a lot of guys that Haxtell recruited, uh, like Brock Besser, and, and used them to um, win the 2016 national championship. UND then goes on to lose a heartbreaking double overtime loss to a Boston University team replete with guys like uh, oh uh, Clayton Keller and Charlie McAvoy just to name a couple right. um, a double overtime game where they actually scored what looked to be the winner yeah. but was called back for an offside review that the NCAA has now changed so they couldn't review it because I believe the puck changed possession and in the NCAA once the puck changes possession you cannot review the initial entry for offsides anymore Right. And that was changed, I believe, after that. Um, then the next two years, as guys left and got injured, um, UND did really well in maintaining the puck and possessing it, but they couldn't score enough to win games. And teams found ways to beat the goaltending that they had. So they kind of had to work. Um, they kind of had to bring in some new guys, and now we're starting to see more of the players that Brad Barry has recruited. Um, they got a new assistant coach, and their national champion goaltender goal Carl Gehrig came back from the Syracuse Crunch, not as a goalie coach this time, but as a full um, as a full-on assistant coach. And he's preached um, increasing shot quality as opposed to quantity. I mean, they're both important, but UND's done a lot better with quality shots this year. And um, he runs power play; he does a lot of good things there. Um, and Dane Jackson, who's been here for a long time and he consistently helps UND's penalty kill be one of the best in the nation. Um, Bradbury doesn't, he, he takes a lot of pride in his, in his moose days, but he takes, I think he focuses, if I were to ask him about it right now, he, that he deflect all praise to the guys around him because that's the type of person he is when he got his hundredth win as UND head coach, as Shostman reported on, um, the team handed him the hard hat. He, he didn't want it. So he put it back in the center of the room. He said, "This, you know, basically the effect that this is a team, this is a team win. This is about you guys. It's not about me." So that's the type of guy Brad Barry is. He, if I asked him about to name five his five favorite things about playing for Manitoba Moose, he'd probably talk about five of his teammates that he liked. Right? Huh? That's cool. Well, good for him. I mean, he's had a successful career there, and I, I had never heard the part about him turning down the NHL career, but that's uh, or the NHL chance to to coach him. But that's uh, pretty pretty I, cool I, to stay. I in. believe I heard that from uh, Mr. Schlossman particularly. Yeah. So 
And the, Schloss, the Schlossman you, you mentioned is Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald, who's one of the most well-respected uh, college hockey writers out there uh, in general. And he kind of literally wrote the book on our next topic, uh, Tucker Poolman. He wrote an article about his, uh, I think, a quite a long extended article. And we I did a podcast with him last year, recorded, talking about Tucker Poolman and a bit of his his career and rise and his how he's going to give up on hockey and then his rise to NHL player so um wonder if you could talk about pro- sorry go ahead oh um i thought you were gonna say no that. i was just gonna, i was gonna say um tucker pullman yeah he he's well known he's one of the stars here very one of the most quiet stars you'll ever meet um obviously his brother colton pullman um the last time und had a two-year captain they won a national championship and um and i believe yeah um there's he has his his uh, brother Mason that plays for East Grand Forks Senior High. That's actually what I do in my day job is I report and sell ads for the Exponent, a community newspaper in East Grand Forks. Um, and he and I actually got to see Mason play at the the Manitoba Junior Hockey League's uh, player ID camp. Okay. At the Ralph in in April, my wife took photos for them, um, and I just kind of wrote an article about what I saw that day. Um, and he he. I looked at him play, and he reminded me a lot of Tucker, um, a lot of Tucker and Colton, uh, but faster almost. Right. Um, he's his speed was something something to see, and um, I'm sure you're going to be hearing more from him in the future too. Huh. You know, I forgot that they had done that ID camp there, the MJHL. I think they just had done it the one year. Uh, they don't do that every year, do they? They 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 look to try me doing it more often. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's fun so yeah so uh tucker pullman went there now he, like you mentioned his brother colton is the uh, is a captain and uh he's turned out to be a pretty pretty wicked player uh he's a senior now i believe so he's probably moving on to trying to find a you know nhl ahl career after this uh do you have any sense of where he might go i kind of hope that he'd be reunited with tucker but i i don't think that's happening um and then also just for those who don't know their their father mark pullman is the athletic therapist there i believe um for the the men's uh athletic yeah head head trainer strength and conditioning coach pullman does a little bit of everything um he's definitely one of the, the biggest pieces of und hockey um in terms of Colton in the NHL, yeah, I don't think not necessarily because I don't think he'd do well in Winnipeg. I think he would. It's I think he's going to look for a spot where he can get playing time. Be it guys leaving, be it a lot of open battles in camp. I could see him going to. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm I'm going to say this partly because I am a fan of the team, but I could see him maybe looking at a team like Washington that's developed a lot of young defensemen over the years, and they're going to have a lot. of and they're going to be cap-strapped relatively soon. So if he plays in Hershey for a year or two, he could be in the pipeline of young defensemen there and compete. He could go to a team like San Jose that's really known for developing young players. He could go to Detroit, where at this point they'll take anybody, <laughs> and he could probably and he could probably start in the top six opening night. He, he'll have a lot of options. He'll have a list of suitors when UND season's done. Yeah, I have no doubt of that. Actually, now that you mention Washington, uh, I realize it left off a pretty big... Uh, UND alum in Shane Gersich. He's a was a pretty decent player when he was at UND and is now, I believe, still a property of the Washington Capitals, right? He still is. Um, he's trying to earn his earn a regular spot. He's with right. the Hershey Bears right now, and um, it's uh, when the Washington Capitals basically have their top six or top nine set, depending on the night. Um, it's 
honestly, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to make it as a forward with the Washington Capitals right now. Not because of how good or bad of a player you are, but when you have, you know, Oshie, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznets, Oshie, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznets, off, that's four right there, and you got five other guys who are probably going to, who've probably been in the system longer than you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, you know, guy Tom Wilson, that's five. Um, yeah. Gersich is a really good scorer and has speed. If he can get a bit more defensively responsible, I could see him, even if not making it with the Caps, I could see him being included in a trade uh, to a team again, like Detroit, who probably would like to see him play in the NHL. Hmm. Um, I mean, look at what happened last year with Madison Bowie and Nick Jensen. Um, former St. Cloud guy comes to, comes to North comes to, not North Dakota, comes to Washington and, and plays well, gets a contract extension, and Bowie's getting regular time with the Red Wings now. So I think yeah. that's a trade that kind of worked out for both sides anyway. Yeah. I think actually Bowie just got uh, a wave today, though. I don't know if you saw that. I'm oh, of course. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think he did. He's a, I, the Winnipeg kid, right? Uh, I believe I'm, so. I'm going to say I'm 95% yeah, sure. He got but, traded from Detroit, or from the Caps to Detroit last at the deadline last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure you got waived today. I uh, I have a great mind for some things and not so much for others. So people are going to listen to this and say, you don't know he's from Winnipeg? No, I did. It's it's in there somewhere. It's rattling around in the back of my brain. But pretty sure he's a Winnipeg boy. So um, we'll see where he, he ends up now. Um, okay, now moving along to maybe a couple other Winnipeg connections before we talk about the current team. Uh, just curious if you ever had a chance to meet or talk to – Dan Schrader, I believe that he's uh, based out of uh, North Dakota, but he is a scout for the the Jets. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to him a whole lot, but he was actually he was tweeting hashtag Team Mittens a lot of the time around when we got started, and I read and I really I appreciate the work he does for the Jets, and I appreciate the Jets for working with him. Um, hockey needs more people like Dan needs more guys like Dan Schrader in the game. Um, they need more people willing to go cover guys that don't get the coverage that frankly they deserve. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why we started August to kind of give those players more of a voice. So right. you know, oh. guys like Dan cocky needs more guys like Dan Schrader. Yeah. I, I hope to meet him someday when I'm down there. I'm not sure if he comes to the Ralph for every game, but may, maybe, maybe I'll meet him. So um, I'd love to talk to him about scouting and what he looks for. Um, next one up, uh, an actual Jets uh, player or prospect right now, Blaisdell. Um, he's playing there right now, getting semi-regular time, or or what's the deal with uh, Blaisdell right now? I've seen um, a, couple, a couple times he's, he's been the extra, the extra skater. skater. So, in college hockey, if you're listening to this um, and you don't follow college hockey as much, in college hockey, um, and I believe it's a common thing in the international game too. In college hockey, you can have an extra skater, whether it's an extra forward or defenseman. That's your choice. He's been that guy the past couple times, and I like his speed. I like his energy, but uh, to go back to your theme, he reminds me of a young Drake Kajula. Very, he's got a lot of time that he he needs to develop here for a couple years. He's taken love his speed, love his energy, love his effort. I don't love some of the undisciplined penalties that he's taken this year, and he he's shown me that he's got a little bit of ways to go. But that's all right. I mean, he's a he's a freshman. He's got time, and I, I like he has, his game has a lot of upside, but he got a lot of things I'd like to see him get better on. It's not taking unneeded penalties would probably be toward the top of that list. <laughs> right. That's that's a quick way to make sure you're the extra skater for the next game if you take some uh, bad penalties, I'm sure, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one more uh, Winnipeg connection, then we'll talk about the current team a little bit more. Uh, Jackson Keene, 
Uh, I'm not sure if he's uh, been playing, but in doing a little bit of research before this, I realized that he's a Winnipeg boy. And I ran into a lady the other day at work, and she said, oh, my friend's son plays for UND. We go down there a couple times uh, every year. And uh, and uh, so when I looked it up, I only saw one person from Winnipeg. So I figured it's that kid that's probably her, fr- her friend's kid. So I just wonder if, uh, for those who like to hear a nice uh, hometown story, is there any uh, good news about the kid from Winnipeg known as Jackson Keene? Um, biggest story is that um, he's kind of found more of a regular role, I believe, on UND's. UND has four lines, but they, like a lot of teams in the NHL, you're kind of seeing UND, I think, move towards a system where any guy can play in any situation. Um, he's played well. I think he's played with uh, Jasper Weatherby, Sharks prospect, one of arguably, I think, UND's most improved player this year. We, he's near the top of country, the country in baseball percentage, and he tips. He's a really big net front presence and is getting better at tipping pucks in, pucks home. Uh, Keane brings a lot of speed and plays with Weatherby, and he he's his game's kind of getting a little bit better as the year goes along. But he'll probably be a four-year guy here, and I'd be interested to see where his pro career goes after that. Uh, all right, la- last one I'm going to ask you about not a Winnipeg connection um, is Alex Heinart. Heinart, Heinart. Uh, you corrected me before. Heinart. Heinart. He's the, the play-by-play announcer for UND. Uh, in your <laughs> mind. Uh, having traveled around and covered a bunch of other teams, uh, you know, mostly in local area and stuff is, uh, is he one of the best in the biz? Because I love his calls. When I listen to him call, I mean, a lot of people here that cover, uh, follow the jets, they really like Dennis Biak. I think he's, he's fine. He's, he's, he's good. But when uh, a team scores and just his excitement, uh, I really like listening to, to, to his cheers and, and whatnot. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about him, a little bit. He's supposed to be an upcoming guest at some point uh, on the podcast. So I give people yeah, a little so teaser. Alex Heiner, just if you've never tuned in for a UND game, I would advise you to. Alex Heiner, to me, is an NHL quality announcer that just happens to be announcing UND games. Yeah. Um, I He could be here for as long as he wants, or some team could give him a chance to go to the next level. It's up to him what he wants to do, but I really... And not only not only how he calls games, he does a great job working with guests. He has different color commentators for every sport. Um, he does great bringing them in. He does. He's just a great person to talk to. He's generally one of the most personable people in sports. And I've and I've outside of UND, I work I worked in ticket sales for the now defunct Elmira Jackals when they were in the uh, ECHL in their last season. Um, I've worked uh, for the defunct Indiana Ice in their Clark Cup championship. Their last literally last season um boston Matthews and jack eichel play a game against that team um when they were with the ntdp uh, so that was fun but anyway just all all that leads me to say is alex heiner is one of the most nicest people i've ever met in sports or in life and in terms of play-by-play he's easily nhl quality i could think of a, a couple of announcers in the nhl i would take alex over and probably more than a couple i could name a couple I could legitimately name a few announcers. I think Alex Heiner could step in for and people would not be clamoring for the other person back offhand. And probably more than that. It's so nice to hear someone else say that because I've been singing his praises for a while. There's only one announcer I think I would take uh, over him, and that's uh, Brendan Burke in, uh, with the Islanders. I think... Uh, He's impeccable. I I love listening to him talk. He did a the the Islanders were out of the playoffs a couple two years ago or something, and I think he uh-huh. started covering the Sharks. And I was staying up late watching some Shark series and hearing him. And I had to ask uh, 
uh, former guest and college hockey fanatic Jake Baskin. I said, "Who the heck is this guy?" And then I thought, "This, yeah, he's really, really good." So that that's the only person I probably put ahead of him right now. I'm not in tune with every single announcer out there like some people, but for my ear, nope. those those two are I, they're I, both great. My dream would be to have a hockey doubleheader called by Alex Heiner and Gary Thorne. Okay. Um, He's, he's the voice for a lot of the 1990s, early 2000 UND tournament highlights. Um, and he, he calls games regularly for the Orioles, my, my baseball team. Um, so he's one of the funniest guys in play-by-play, and Alex is one of the nicest. And them calling games back-to-back to me would be very, very fun to see. Right. Well, maybe someday you'll get your dream. Okay, I am going to ask one more question about a player, but this will kind of take us into the current uh, roster a little bit more. I know we did talk about Blaisdell and, and Colton Pullman a little bit, but this will kind of transition us. Uh, and I'll, I'll make it a Winnipeg connection. Cousin of former Winnipeg Jet Devin Setaguchi, uh, Jordan Kawaguchi, playing uh, for UND right now. Um, every time I look at the box scores, he seems to have another assist or a goal, or two assists and a goal, or whatnot. Uh, I believe he's a senior, probably moving on this year. Um, what do you what do you think of him and his chances in the NHL? And yeah, I just uh, I want to hear what you think about Kawaguchi and what you've seen from him because he seems sort of under the radar that he you know doesn't already have a team that picked him up. Maybe I'm just high on him just because I've seen him. But uh, yeah, what can you tell us about Kawaguchi? I. I love his game. He's a he's a junior. Um, it, it's hard hard to think that he he's only a junior. Um, but he his game has grown leaps and bounds since he came here last year. I mean, last year he led North Dakotas in, in North Dakota in goals, assists, and points. He led the Fighting Hawks in a lot of categories last year, and he missed a lot of chances last year. He was one of the ones who hit a lot of pipes last year, and his game is just, Brad Berry's talked about uh, a lot of the guys who are now upperclassmen, so guys like him who have just taken their game to the next level, he's been able to actually put pucks home, and his the speed and energy that he plays the game with is something uh, uh, something remarkable to behold, and I think that some NHL team, I don't know if he'll crack, I don't know if he'll let it, a team will let him burning off his entry level deal, which is just which is just fine. But I think he'll get a chance in the show one day. Right. Yeah. The one thing I noticed about him, he's such a nifty passer too. You know, there's the guys that are quality passers, but then the the ones that just kind of make the pass that you didn't think was there. And I've seen him do that a couple times where I'm like, oh, geez, that, I didn't even realize that pass was there, and it's right on someone's tape. So, and I'll tell you a little story. Uh, somebody who's supposed to be a guest on the podcast, we had to delay it. Um, was current. Uh, Jet scout Max Geese. Um, he's actually sort of the guy that discovered Dan Schrader. I, I met him at the uh, Jets development camp and talked to him, and then we had a nice phone conversation. And uh, so we've kind of messaged back and forth every so often. And so the last uh, couple of weeks, every time Kawaguchi, you know, has a score line with a goal and two assists or something, I sent him a little messages and said, hey, like Kawaguchi had a night, didn't he? And <laughs> so, uh, just so you know, I'm putting the ear in in a Jets uh, scout about uh, about the kid to just maybe have a second look. He, he's definitely looked at it before, but uh, so uh, maybe just you know take a little peek. So there you go, little little fun tidbit there. So um, now moving along to sort of the the team as is currently constructed. Like we've mentioned a couple times, they won the national championship in 2016, and they were kind of down. You know, they had some good parts or maybe good elements to their game. Uh, this team right now, they're ranked number two in the country, I believe, last time I checked, which was, uh, I don't know. They are. Yeah, I, I'm not sure when the rankings come out, so I just didn't know if, I, if I'd if i missed the most updated one. Uh, the only team ahead of them is, uh, what is it, Minnesota State, I believe, right? 
Yeah, so yep. they're, they're the Mavericks of Mankato. Yep. Right. So they're ahead of them right now. So this team looks like a legit national championship contender, it sounds like. Uh, what can you tell us about how the team is currently constructed and who's on fire and how they've gotten to this point? Because uh, I know you mentioned now these are sort of Brad Berry's guys coming in. Uh, who are the difference makers? Is it sort of score by committee? The last uh, two or three weekends, I know they've had, what, an 8-2 game against uh, the Gophers, and then they had a 7-1 game or something the other night against, I can't remember who it was against, but they just seem to be racking up the goals almost at a 2016 pace lately, at least. Yeah, so... UND, honestly, possession-wise, UND is doing a lot of the same things right that it did the past three, two years that it didn't make the tournament. The difference now is they're limiting a lot of mistakes in their own end. For the most part, they still have bad nights, just like every other team. Um, And they're actually scoring more. So, really, the biggest difference to me, I think, is their graduate transfer, Weston Mashad, who is one of the most annoying guys in the NCHC UND's conference to against when he played for Colorado College um, and now to have him having him on this team and the energy he brings is something else because he makes everyone on his line better and he helps other guys kind of slot into better roles for them and get better matchups um, Jasper Weatherby's kind of taken over Rhett Gardner's role as the best face, best face-off guy uh, he's routinely out late in games to shut down other teams and win draws and then he'll maybe he'll stay on and then go off when needed um, like you said, Cal Gucci's been really good. Shane Pinto, um, Senators first round, Senators well second round draft, first second round draft pick, thirty second overall, I believe. He he uh, he can put the puck in the back of the net almost when he wants. It seems like um, Jacob Bernard Docker is something impressive to see. I remember a conversation I had with uh, Dave Starman when I asked him to compare uh, him, Jacob Bernard Docker, and Christian Willanen, uh Sen's prospect. He said that the film to him initially was almost identical, but something to that effect. Um, he plays very similarly, very strong two-way game, can jump up in the rush when needed, a bit more responsible, I think, than Lannon, but they both have uh, really good, great qualities to their game. Um, there's so many things that are going right with this team, and that's and UND even has more depth that hasn't seen a whole lot of time. I mean, guys like Josh Rieger, when he came in, he played well. He scored the game, game-winning goal against Denver, and that was his first goal in his college career. Um, Cole Smith, Mark Senden, um, Gavin Hayne, Flyers prospect, the third line. I, I've called them the GMC line since they came together because they've always been UND's most dependable possession line. And um, they're like the truck. They're, you know, I don't have a fan of a car, but just I'm going off their brand here. They're always durable and always dependable, and they're there, and they're there when you need them. Um, Brad Berry's routinely said whenever they, he breaks that lineup, he, he's – kind of got punished for it and he's uh, put them back together pretty consistently and for a good reason. Jasper Weatherby has, to me is one of college hockey's most improved players this year. He's one of the best face-off men in the country. He can tip pucks home kind of similar to Austin Pingansky for anyone that's followed UND over the past few years. Big physical guy that can also win face-offs. Um, he had some success toward the end of last year in terms of time and puck possession but now he's actually getting a few goals to go with it. Um Adam Sheelan Nett has been there when needed. I'd like to see Peter Tomey play a few times. The Columbus Blue Jackets prospect, not because I have anything against Adam Sheel. I don't, but I think Tomey is a plenty good goaltender, and I don't think that 
I know the season is shorter in college hockey, but I, I want to see what UND has in, in both of its goaltenders. And I think Peter Tomey is still a very big part of this team. And I also really hope he doesn't leave after this year because if Shield gets signed and Tomey leaves, uh, UND has two, I believe, two goalies next year, one of whom was recruited as a third goalie in, at Christmas last year. I'm not saying that Harrison Feeney can't start, he can, but I'm just kind of reading. I'm just kind of projecting out a little bit. So they have a whole lot of pieces to this team. I could spend 20 minutes talking about each player if, I, if we had the time, but yeah. Right. Well, uh, I was actually going to ask you specifically about the goalies anyhow, so maybe you could talk about Shield a little bit because he's been the starter. And it wasn't Tommy around still when Cam Johnson was here and he almost yep. took took the starter role for a little bit and ran with it when Johnson was hurt or not playing uh, well. And so yeah. he was yeah, essentially um, the starter and now Shield is Tommy, the guy? Tommy, yeah, and Tommy, so... To me, Shield's biggest weakness is one of Tommy's biggest strengths, and to me, Tommy's biggest thing he needs to work on is one of Shield's biggest strengths. Shield will make 90, 95% to 99% of the saves where he can see the puck, and if you're, if you're square up on Adam Shield, you're not going to beat him too very many times, um, at least at the college level. You're not. But where where Shield can get beat is on cross ice plays, and he's not as maybe like you said, as acrobatic. They're both very athletic. Um, he's not maybe as acrobatic as I think Tommy is. Um, but Tommy can make more of those big saves, but he on those square up shots, they're not always. I'd say he's maybe eighty to ninety five percent. So, not saying that either of those are inherently bad. That's just kind of way I way I see it. But I think Tommy, the way he plays. Um, I'd like to see him play a little bit. I think Shield, it is Shield net for the time being, but UND, UND hockey culture is, they coach say repeatedly is about next man up. I mean, Shield can have a bad night one night and Tommy could take the net and run with it. So it, it, anything can happen. There's still plenty of time left in this season. Right. And now you mentioned Pinto uh, a little bit ago. I know. Um, I saw something from Corey Pronman at the Athletic. He did a little Q and A, and somebody asked him specifically about him. I don't know if you had a chance to read that, but basically the gist of it for anybody who's curious about this Pinto kid, he said um, he's developed much much quicker than he thought he would, uh, and getting you know lot, uh, essentially closer to his his ceiling way quicker than than he thought possible. He kind of had his progression just much more delayed than what it is now. So he's been very happy to you know, kind of see where he's at. That's kind of the gist of it. I'm probably, I'm paraphrasing, making it longer than what he actually said anyhow. But if anybody wants to see, he was asked about it. Uh, so you might want to uh, check that out. Um, I know he has been scoring quite a few goals, in, especially in those those big games um, that they've had uh, recently with the seven and eight goals. Uh, he had a couple last weekend. So um, now moving along to the competition, we mentioned Minnesota State, uh, Mankato there being number one. Um, in division right now, Denver is one spot behind them at number four in the country. Uh, who do you think the UND matches up best against and worst against, uh, as far as teams that they might, uh, eventually meet in a semifinals slash or finals in the, the frozen four. I'm getting ahead of um, myself a little bit, but I'm pulling up the pairwise here just to, just to make, cause so for those who don't follow college hockey as much pairwise is a mathematical approximation of how the committee determines who gets in. Um, they take the top at large teams plus making sure that each um, conference has an, has an automatic bid chant represented there as well. So with that, in that mathematical approximation, 
Nation, North Dakota's number two, Mankato's number one. Um, I think teams they match up well against. Um, honestly, I think they can hang with anyone. And what I find really interesting is looking at this, Michigan Tech is number 13 in the country, and they, they I believe, scored first against North Dakota in their own building and went for a little bit of the game. They, they're teams that can possess the puck and play with any sort of speed to me are going to have the bet their best be able to take their best shot. North Dakota hasn't lost at home, but the two times they've come the closest are to Miami of Ohio and St. Cloud State, both of whom have guys who are really fast and who can score and don't need a lot of time to set up. Uh, to use, I'll, I'll use the basketball analogy. To beat North Dakota, you have to beat them in transition because when they are set up they're really hard to box out on and get rebounds on and get the easier, greasier, put-back goals against. You need to be Adam Shield going across the ice with some beautiful, perfectly timed play most of the time. Most of the time, that's how you, if you're going to beat Adam Shield, which doesn't happen a lot, that's how you're going to do it. So I think in terms of teams they match up best against, um, probably I think Michigan Tech they do all right against because they've already seen them, so they can make adjustments. Arizona State, I'd be interested to see them play in terms of teams that I think fans would least like to see them play again is uh, Mankato because they're currently the only team that's beat North Dakota. They haven't lost to North Dakota yet. Right. Um, Mankato, Cornell always seems to have good goaltending. I think Denver's still one of the best teams in the country. And Minnesota Duluth, I always think, is a tough team for North Dakota to play because they're physical and fast. And Hunter Shepard, the senior goalie for them, he's he to me is still he's one of the best not the best goalies in the country just for how consistent and calming of an influence he's been i covered uh duluth winning the 2017 national championships on last year he's he's so calm in that and their team is so consistent it's it's hard to believe that they lost guys to the pros last year like riley tufty i i believe he Duluth is systemic, systematically Duluth is probably the toughest team they'll play. Speed-wise, I'd say Mankato or just picking names that I have a hat, honestly. I would probably say speed-wise Mankato or in the top 16. Uh, Mankato or maybe uh, UMass Amherst or uh, UMass Lowell, any of the hockey schools I think would be good. And then Bowling Green always seems to put up seven or eight goals a weekend, it seems like. So Bowling, I'll add in Bowling Green, too. Right. Now, you mentioned Minnesota Duluth, and I'm sure uh, I'd be remiss, uh, some Jets fans would be mad if I didn't ask you maybe to talk about Dylan Sandberg, which wasn't part of uh, the deal. We weren't going to mention him. But from what you've seen of Dylan Sandberg, what can you tell fans that don't usually get to see him very much? And maybe uh, what do you think his future holds? I mean, the, uh, the Jets tried, I believe, to sign him uh, this last offseason, and he decided to go back. Uh, I believe he can actually go back for one more year, if I'm not mistaken. I think he is a junior. So um, what do you think his chances are? Like uh, uh, maybe because you call, follow college more than most Jets fans, uh, I'm sure. Um, do you see a lot of guys sort of, you know, opt out in their, their fourth year and go to a free agency? Or is that more of an unusual thing and people shouldn't really be worried about Dylan Sandberg? And uh, I mean, if they, you know, go deep and win a national championship or not, maybe not even, um, but is that sort of going to be enough for him to be like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm a man amongst boys at this point and should move on with my career and make some money doing the thing I love. I mean, I thought, I, I thought if that was going to happen with the loose after it was going to happen after last year, they just won their second national championship in a row, which is very hard to do in college hockey is the tournament. There's no game set. Every game here is a game seven. Um, every game is one and done. You play for your life every single game in the NCAA tournament. So, 
I think he'll stay as long as he wants. I think um, unless he gives Winnipeg a reason to believe that he won't sign with them, I wouldn't caution, I wouldn't tell Jeff Sands to worry just yet. Um, he's Scott Sandlin loves two-way guys on the fence that can score, and he, he's really good at that. Him and Perunovic are two really good high-scoring defensemen who are also responsible on their own end, kind of like take the defensive tools of the Tucker Pullman and add the ability to score in a few more goals. And that's, to me, about Dylan Zamberg. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are excited to see him, especially the way the Jets' D kind of shaped out this year. I mean, some people are higher on what they're achieving right now, but I'm definitely low on them as far as the overall quality of the individuals, um, even if people want to make an argument for the the Jets being good. I don't Anyhow, <laughs> I won't go there. They're, they're not as good as their record says, but maybe they can uh, fake it till they make it. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, you know, we're at 50 minutes, 5-0. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share maybe about the UND team or or should we just wrap it up? Um, do UND then just wrap it up with some, you know, I, I can mention more about North Dakota or North Dakota and why people should come to Grand Forks to watch things. You should. Um, you should mention why people should come down to the Ralph. For people that didn't go, like I said, my buddy Mike, who had never been before, he went and he loved it. So what is the atmosphere like? Why should people bother coming down, you know, a two and a half hour drive and do a little bit of shopping and taking some hockey down there? Because um, you have, in this building, you have, one, there's a lot of history in the building. Um, I mean, I got my start. I my first ever game in the Ralph just going as a fan um, was you and I was blown away by the quality of the presentation and it's only gotten better now they have the largest center hung video scoreboard in college hockey so that that's a there's it's a hundred million dollar scoreboard so you have a hundred million reasons right there um, the concession food has consistently been upgraded uh, this year one of the most popular items at least among the media is UND's new um, Chinese food offerings um, they have sweet and sour chicken, teriyaki chicken, uh, sweet and sour shrimp with fried rice and noodles made really fresh with quality vegetables. Um, anyway, it, the food is good. Uh, wherever you go, the food is pretty good. But that's a side point. Um, the quality of what you're going to see on the ice is really good, and I would encourage fans to come down and make a weekend out of it. UND basketball is playing. Uh, the women have had the women are kind of built the past couple of years, but they they should be pretty good this year. And the men have a very international flavor to their team, um, and they're getting better. They play in the Summit League, which is one of the best mid-major conferences in men and women's basketball in the country. Um, so I would encourage fans to make a doubleheader out of it. Um, to me, Grand Forks is a town that it's, it's a wonderful town to live in. It's a wonderful town to shop in and go and do a seaweed. There's so many things here to do. And if you want to go over the river and check out some small, some some other small businesses, go to East Grand Forks. Go to watch a high school hockey game while you're here. Uh, East Grand Forks hockey, I believe they're ranked in the top five in the state of Minnesota, which is uh, pretty darn good. Um, and yeah, and we try to cover as many things as we possibly can. UND sports wise here, I, I write for the Exponent in my day job, which is a community newspaper in East Grand Forks, and sell ads for them. So we're, we're all about this town and, and the Grand Cities. We we love being here. Um, we started seeing more sports because we think that teams and players here need more coverage than what they're giving. We're actually the only media outlet that's written any sort of game recap for UND soccer, and we probably. 
probably be the only ones that write anything for UND softball and maybe a few other games this year too. Um, yeah, we're just trying to grow what we can do. Um, if you want to help us grow, check out our PayPal, check out our PayPal link on our Twitter bio, donate, send me a direct message, let me know. I'll list you as a supporter of independent journalism because we really try to be independent and cover games, names, and teams around here that don't get the coverage that they deserve. Um, that's the reason why we started Seymour Sports, and there are a lot of those athletes at UND, and a lot of those stories that don't get covered uh, like like we think they could be. And that's our goal. Is to, our goal is to help change that and help advocate for more athletes and the wonderful work they do in the wonderful town that we live in. Well, that's awesome. Well, Oliver, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm going to mention one little thing. I'll put in a plug because you definitely did for, for Grand Forks and for people coming down and taking in the sports for those that like it. Um, but when I walk into the Ralph, uh, because of those, what are they, the candy-covered almonds that they cook uh, with like... Buy them. Uh, buy, yeah. buy, buy tons of them and bring them back with you wherever <laughs> they go. They're some of the best things you will ever eat. They make the whole place smell like Christmas. It's like all like chives and or cloves, not chives, cloves and cinnamon kind of smell. The whole place smells like that. And then you sit in your nice big leather seat, marble floors. It's beautiful. Like you mentioned, the scoreboard's really good. The ice is, you know, uh, great, like uh, the, the product and everything. And uh, one thing, when I took my kid down there um, yeah, a month ago that he noticed was we were walking around shopping is basically on game day like everybody's into it like everybody's wearing UND clothing everything's green like it's it's a it's over the top like no matter where you are you could be you know at at McDonald's and just in the morning and everybody's decked out in green and it's it's just really fun it was to the point where uh my son who's uh you know takes after me and pretty cynical with things he's like it's almost annoying how much they cheer for their team. Is what he said. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was cute for him to share that. But it's also neat. It's kind of a neat uh, community uh, feel to it. So I definitely enjoy going down. It's certainly different than what we get with the Jets. It's uh, some like I'm you know I'm not comparing the two better or worse, but it's definitely a different feel. And people should check it out. The Ralph's a beautiful place, and uh, it's yep. fun to check it out. So. Anyhow, thanks again, Oliver, for taking the time. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Hope to see you in middle of February when we're trying to make another trip down there and maybe even get a sit in the media box with you there. The Valentine's, yeah, the Valentine's series against Denver should be pretty fun. Uh, one other Winnipeg connection I completely forgot about. Um, the last One of the last goalies to play for the ND women's hockey, Annie Chipman, the third-string goalie, is um, I believe she still works for the Manitoba Moose, the daughter of Mark Chipman daughter of mark chipman too oh, yeah. um she and she does great work with the most and um definitely one of the bigger personalities and nicer nicer people with UND women's hockey which is where i got my start editing highlights for women UND women's hockey oh well that's cool another neat yeah. little connection there so all right thanks again oliver we'll talk soon I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet-Centric Broadcast.